Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Today on the show, we have Robbie Dawkins. Robbie is an international best-selling author, an evangelist, and passionate church equipper in the United States and in 70-plus countries. Robbie, it is an honor to have you here today. Man, thank you, Matt. It's good to be here. Glad to join with you. Yeah, so I am am just thankful to to have you on here because uh, last year at the Encounter Service at the Gathering Place, got to hear you speak man, and had seen you in a documentary prior to that. But the Lord moved powerfully in that service. My wife, actually, we were both up on stage. Um, I was one of the catchers. And then she was up there. Uh, I think she had a physical issue. She got healed and actually got a little tipsy on the stage. Uh, You know, the presence of God, she was not drinking. And, um, you know, so that was awesome. And then got to, uh, you know, talk to you briefly afterwards and and bought your book and, you know, do what Jesus did is the title of this book. And and I loved when I first started reading it that, you know, there there are a lot of people that I've heard speak and there's a lot of people that that I've met. And and there are a lot of pastors, you know, in America and, and all around the world. But, you know, uh, what really endeared me to you is is you are doing the things that you're talking about from the stage. You're, you're doing the works of Jesus, not just talking about the works of Jesus. And, you know, when you're talking about Diablo and Shotgun and Diana, the, you know, these gangbangers at, in Aurora, Illinois, that, that you invite them in that everybody else is afraid of, and you just introduce them to Jesus in a powerful way. And they get rocked and then the whole community starts to change. I mean, that's what Jesus did. You know, he didn't shy away from people. He went after the ones that were on the fringes and and he changed their lives. And uh, so, man, I just I appreciate who you are and what you stand for. And uh, that's that's really my focus today is, um, you know, just wanting to hear more about that. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys had that experience at the meeting. That's praise God. I mean, that's, that's what you want is people encountering the real raw presence of the Lord. That's just transforming all of us. It changes everything. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that, uh, that's really cool. If I could jump in and say something that, you know, it, it's so powerful, you know, I was, I've been, I was talking to my staff over the past couple of days and we've been really, um, you know, of course, we're going and doing training in churches and, you know, equipping people to go out and hit the streets to be. And when we say hit the streets, you know, we sort of see that as old time, you know, scary evangelism type of mentality. But it's just everyday lifestyle. You know, Jesus said in Luke 9 and Luke 10, as you go, as you go where? Everywhere, anywhere. As you go to Walmart, as you go to the grocery store, as you go to the pharmacy, just as you go. You know, look for people to uh, pray for, to minister to. And and Matt, uh, those are the places where we see some of the greatest miracles. That's where we see some of the greatest things happen. And it happens faster outside of the church than in the church. The church is the equipping center. 
um, that's not our place for our ministry. It's not, it's not where my best ministry happens. My best ministry happens, you know, in the streets of Kabul or in Kandahar, or, you know, in uh, Kashmir, um, you know, in these persecuted regions of the world uh, for the underground church. I mean, you see some of the best stuff and not in their services or house churches, but actually out, you know, in the marketplace where we do this with unbelievers it's more powerful and impactful. And I mean, and the truth is, and we're, we're always afraid that the power of Christ is going to scare an unbeliever. It's the, it's the, it's the evangelism strategy of, of Jesus. It's, it's what he used, and it's also what the apostles used. I mean, it's just living out the book of Acts. And, you know, if we can get out of the mentality that, you know, um, Jesus is more worried about our butts in the seat on Sunday morning than our feet on the street on Monday through Saturday, you know, then, then, you know, we're missing the whole point. Um, you know, he's not sitting up there, you know, clicking as everybody walks in the door. Um, it's more of, of, you know, demonstrating and, and putting Jesus on display, you know, throughout our community. I mean, we need that you know, gathering of the believers. We need that, you know, uh, coming together. Jesus said, don't forsake it, you know, that we need to be a part of that. But at the same time, you know, um, are putting Jesus on display in the community and that's being done with his power, his presence and the preaching of his word. Because like you said, he did not just leave us his words. He left us his works. He left us to do the same things he did. And there's no reason why we can't. Uh, we're, we're our holdup. God isn't withholding. Um, it's our own uh, inhibitions and fears. You know, one of the biggest forms of persecution that I think we're afraid of as Christians, it, it, more so than even physical persecution, I think, is the relational persecution. You know, we're afraid that people are going to think we're crazy. We're afraid that people are going to, you know, call us stupid or, or that our family will mock us and laugh at us and, you know, things like that. We're, we're afraid of that type of thing. Um, you know, the rejection and the fear of man is is one of the biggest tools of the enemy. You know, we're almost willing, you know, to take, take a shot to the jaw or the nose for the gospel. But, man, we don't want to take it to, you know, people that are trying to assassinate our character, you know, um, because, you know, that we're more afraid of that and the relational losses that take place in that. And that's what I found, you know, my entire life is that's the thing that the enemy tries to really kind of come after most. And, and we in the church have fell for it. You know, we're, we're, we fell for it as, as uh, being that thing that we're most terrified of. And, and as soon as we do that, we're handing the keys of the lordship of our life over to the enemy. And, you know, not, not, not intentionally, obviously, but, but still that's what happens in that situation. And so it's, uh, but, but if we as just, you know, the thing evangelism in the early church wasn't happening in the gathering of the believers that they weren't saying, Hey, go get your friends and neighbors, bring them here so they can hear the gospel because the gospel was being preached Monday, you know, Sunday through Friday, because Saturday was the Sabbath, you know, and, and so the, the gospel was being preached out everywhere. Every, if it, somebody had a vegetable cart in the streets of Jerusalem, they were selling vegetables and they were preaching the gospel. They were sharing the gospel. They were praying for the sick. They were ministering to those, you know, they were going door to door, house to house, as it says in Luke, uh, or excuse me, Acts 5. You know, I mean, they, they were they were continuing to do, you know, the works and the uh, communicate the words of Jesus and, and seeing that happen. And if we're going to be the church of Jesus Christ, you know, that's what we have to follow suit with and do as well. Man, that's so much good stuff right there. And, and I absolutely love it. 
because, you know, as I was getting ready this morning, I was thinking about, you know, Jesus. Yes, he was worshipped as soon as he was born. You know, yes, wise men came. Yes, you know, the the stars shined and, and the angels appeared and, and people knew that he was a Messiah. But Herod also wanted him dead from the day that he was born. He wanted those wise men to come back to him and say, where is this child? Where is this king? Because I want to pay homage to him, but I really wanted to kill him. And so from the second he came on this earth, he had a target on his back and he ministered, you know, for only three years that that we're aware of that, you know, from 33 or 30 to 33. And then he died a gruesome death. And and there were family members that didn't understand him. There were friends that didn't understand. Certainly the religious people didn't understand him. And at the end of the day, the church in America specifically has been taught to show up to church, maybe bring that lost friend with you, you know, listen to the message and go, don't offend anybody. Don't go out and really share anything. Be comfortable. Give your money, but don't go to the dangerous places. Let's let's use our wisdom because God gave us wisdom. Let's be safe. Let's be comfortable and then come back and do it again next week. Don't show any fruit in your life whatsoever. And just like you, I mean, a lot of the fruit that I see in ministry is at the gym. I, I have more ministry opportunities at, at the gym. I see somebody with a boot on. Hey, can I pray for you? Because I believe Jesus heals. You know, people with crutches. Hey, can I pray for you? Because I believe Jesus heals. Sometimes they get healed. Sometimes they don't. But that's not up to me. I'm going to pray. I'm going to step out in faith because I know that I look crazy to other people. And I'm comfortable with that because I've got to answer to him one day. And and once you get rid of that fear of man and you do as Jesus did, that John 14, 12, like you were talking about, you'll do the same works, if not greater, because I'm going to be with the Father. He left the Holy Spirit. He told us to go to the ends of the earth. You know, the the Great Commission isn't just about baptizing people, it's to do everything that he commanded us to do in Matthew 28 through 30. I mean, it it is, you know, power and demonstration is one of the ways that he drew people to him. Then he got them saved. You know, it wasn't he saved them and then he didn't demonstrate it. It was sometimes they were physically healed. And then he said, go and sin no more. And they gave their hearts to him. So I believe that 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 power and demonstration is something that a lot of the church is lacking and in that comfortable Christianity here in America. It's why Christianity is declining here, but it's surging in places like the Middle East and, and Brazil and China and India because people are desperate and hungry. And when they see the signs, wonders and miracles, they're like, hey, I want that. That's amazing. So, you know, even in places that you've been in your past where you're planning churches or when you go into the Middle East, like you're taking that power and people that, man, I don't know what that was, but like, I, I've got to have that. So, so as you're going to these places, you know, whether it be across America or uh, in the Middle East, um, what are you seeing as you're, you're bringing the power and the gospel, you know, it, it's all the same. When, when, you're, when you're bringing all of that, what, what is that looking like for you? And what are you seeing as far as growth? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, the the thing that I put a lot of focus on is, you know, going and helping the underground church and equipping them. Uh, one of the things many of them, you know, have said to me, I and, and people think that this is a new thing for me. I mean, I've been working in this part of the world in Central Asia and in the Middle East for over 20 years. Um, I started uh, 22 years ago working uh, with Iranians uh, and the underground church in Iran. Many of the people that I was working with then have been arrested or or have been, you know, kicked out of the country or, you know, different other things. Some of them have been killed. Um, but I started working with them and uh, sending materials, sending things. You know, I went uh, there and and begin to uh, work with them, build relationships. Part of part of the thing of being present and going is that they need that. They need that. It, the video stuff is great, but they need the hands on. They need to see somebody doing it, and they also need somebody to exemplify being willing to take the risk uh, because faith is risk. And if you don't, you know, if you're going to operate by faith and, you know, like what you were just talking about, if I could jump back to something that you said earlier, you know, people go out and they pray for somebody and they don't get healed. And they're like, I'm never doing that again. I did my part. God didn't do his part. And I'm never doing that again. Here's the thing. If I serve the results, then who's the glory for? If I'm serving the results and I'm saying the glory is for me. If I'm only doing it based on what I see happen as the end outcome, but if I see it as, listen, this is releasing something even in the spiritual atmosphere. If that person doesn't get healed, you have extended the kingdom of God, and that doesn't go to waste. The scripture says his word does not return void. And so when we obey his word by praying for that sick person, there is not an experience like that where nothing happens. Something happens every time, even if you don't see it in that moment, even if you don't experience it. I remember praying for this blind man in Princeton University out on the, and you know, Princeton is the epicenter of unbelief. I mean, there's probably more atheists there than in any of the other Ivy League colleges, it seems like. And I remember the the guy, I'm praying for this guy four times, no change, no change. No, he's like, look, I don't even believe in this anyway. I got to go, you know, and he starts walking away with a stick, you know, and this other guy comes up to me and he goes, man, I want to hear about what you're talking about. He goes, first of all, somebody who has the guts to keep praying for a blind guy after he doesn't get healed the first time and to do it in as public of a way as you were doing it, you clearly believe this. And I want to believe in something that much. And I ended up sharing the gospel with that guy. And that guy gave his life to Christ, you know, and see, we think that nothing happens, but if we stay with it, persevere, I'm telling you that word doesn't return void. Even if our eyes don't see it, there've been many, there've been so many people I've prayed for that never got healed, never felt the touch, never, you know, had it happen. But again, if we are serving the result, then we're saying the glory is for us. But if we're serving the king, then the glory is for him because it doesn't matter what happens in the outcome. What matters is my obedience to his word and the following suit of that. But jumping back to this is something that, you know, obviously is a part of the teaching, you know, that I give in the underground church. And so, you know, being, uh, it, I, I, I was going out with them with Iranians and then going to neighboring countries where I could meet with Iranians, where they could cross the border easier, where it was a little bit, and part of it was, me being there as an American, any American entering that country, you watch the entire time. And so it would be, I would be putting them at greater risk by doing that. Um, and so then, you know, shifting to neighboring countries. So we started doing that. 
ended up uh, having a, a friend, you know, appeal for me to, you know, would you be interested in coming to Afghanistan? I had wanted to go to Afghanistan for years, uh, went there, uh, went to uh, Kabul and, uh, and then ended up uh, meeting with a couple of house church leaders and praying for them, ministering to them, showing them what it was, took them out, demonstrated to them, you know, how this works so they could see it. Now, let me tell you something. You think in a place like Afghanistan, Iran, it's really hard to see people get healed? Wrong. It's really easy to see people get healed there. And part of it is, is that, you know, anywhere I've done this at witchcraft festivals, I've done it at psychic new age fairs, anywhere where Satan's opposition is stronger, you're going to see God's power move with greater you know, intensity and strength uh, to see that transformation come. And so we 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 took them out and uh, started showing people getting healed and and then accepting Christ because that people don't realize with Muslims. I mean, if you just try to argue theology and you try to persuade them that you know, as my T-shirt says, this is our new one. Jesus is God, and this is it in Farsi uh, and Dari, and on the back it's on Arabic. Uh, and Urdu. Um, but you, 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 and I mean, this, they'll kill you for this, but, <laughs> but I wear this t-shirt, you know, uh, when I go there, my Jesus is God shirt, you know, so that I let them know, you know, that, look, this is about Jesus. And that's not about, you know, a prophet that you think is a prophet. That's not a prophet, but that it's really, truly about Christ and who he is. But all of a sudden you take them out and they see the power demonstrated. A lot of Muslims are very mystical. There's a lot of mysticism in Islam and um, there's a lot of witchcraft in Islam, you know, and so there's a lot of mysticism. Well, when all of a sudden they see that person get healed, they see that encounter Man, their mind is blown. It'll turn your greatest enemy. It'll turn radical Muslims into believers because of their encounter, you know, and when they have that experience and they experience the presence of God, they experience the healing power of Jesus Christ. When they have that, uh, you know, that touch from the Holy Spirit, it's undeniable. You know, and they're like, hey, I want in. How, what, what, yeah, how do I do this? How do I, you know, and it's just simple. It's low hanging fruit at that point once you see that demonstration of power. And so everyone, um, you know, in, it's throughout the, throughout the world. I take them out, show them how to do it. Uh, we do a lot of online teachings. I can't tell you the routes we use uh, for security sake, but um, you know we we do uh, some some over the internet stuff and and communicate and teach. All, all of my materials, all of my books have been translated into uh, Farsi and 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 to uh, we're working on them now in Urdu and they've been translated in Arabic and we make that free to that part of the world. And I mean my my book, Do What Jesus Did, the one you read, is. Um, you know, throughout Iran and, uh, and Afghanistan and all of the, you know, Farsi speaking world. Um, and, you know, and so we, we make that available and then we, uh, tell them and in the books, it tells you, look, go do this. Don't just listen to this. Don't believe in it. You know, you're going to prove your believing by actually doing and by following through and by stepping out. And that's the activation part. And once people activate it, and one of the things, let me tell you, show you a quick illustration. Um, I use this particular card because it doesn't have my information on it, but this is a debit card. This is my, uh, one of my uh, bank account debit cards. And when you get that, um, when you get that, there's a sticker on the front that says that must activate. 
It's not useful until it's actually, well, let me tell you something. This is Christ's power and authority. We can have this in our wallets, but if we don't use it, if we don't activate it, it's useless. It's there because he gave it to you. But if we don't activate it, and the activating is only in the using, and it's most important that we're using it not just for ourselves, but that we keep the power pointed outward towards other people. If you want to see consistent power in your life, take your prayers off of your receiving of power and provision and experience and turn it into for others. You'll sow the seeds that you will reap in your own life as you do that. And showing that to, um, you know, with the catastrophe that happened in Afghanistan in August and that is still going on. There's still thousands and thousands that are trying to get out of, of Afghanistan. Uh, we're still working on, we've been able to, uh, our ministry has helped hundreds uh, get out and we're still, we're feeding them, housing them, helping provide them in other countries, still training them. All the Afghans, even the ones that have been sent here in the United States, which is hundreds of thousands, people don't realize that, but that's, that's a vast amount. Um, just in Houston alone, uh, I believe there's 15,000 Afghan refugees and that, that everywhere there's a military base around the United States. Uh, there are Afghan refugees. And uh, we're working on trying to get many of our guys uh, even here to the Dallas area so we can look after them, take care of them. But all of them are like, we want to get trained and we, we want to go back and take our country. You know, we're, and they're, they're seeing now that this isn't going to be done through militaries or governments as powerful as the U.S. Uh, seems. You know, we threw them under the bus. And so they're looking and going, man, we're relying on the kingdom of God and on the power of the Holy Spirit, because those are the bigger weapons of mass destruction, you know, that that there are. Of course, then you're targeting the the true enemy, which isn't the Taliban. Uh, they're just on the side of the enemy. Um, but there are prospects for the gospel. Uh, one of our guys there has stayed in the country and has led over 12 Taliban members to Christ. When we were trying to get him out, and he was one of the biggest ones I wanted out because he was one of the biggest evangelists. I mean, this, this young man is blowing it up in the spirit throughout Afghanistan and is one of the best evangelists I have ever met in my entire life. The world will never know his name, but I'm telling you, heaven knows his name. This guy has brought more people to Christ and he's won 12 Taliban since they have come and they have taken over and he hasn't stopped. All the Afghans want to follow suit with that. They want to see, they want their, they want to go back home and they want to see their nation brought to Christ and they'll see it. It'll happen. They're not just going to stay out and, you know, visit Disneyland for the rest of their lives. They're, they're really, when I say that, I'm talking about the United States mostly, but they're really passionate about going back and winning their entire nation for Jesus. And then Afghanistan will be a Christian nation. It will happen. Uh, because they're determined to see it happen. And man, you know, it, it's, it's powerful, you know, when you, when you see that, but giving them those power tools, showing them how to step out and see healing happen, how to give a word of knowledge, how to prophesy to somebody, how to, how to, how to, um, you know, demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit through his manifest presence. All of those are power tools. And again, you know, uh, when we love, see the kingdom of God is upside down. This is a kingdom where love is a weapon of mass destruction. Peace is a weapon of mass destruction. Joy is a weapon of mass destruction. Satan hates those. 
because they are destroying his kingdom. Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of the devil. And, and how does he do that? Love, joy, peace, healing the sick, multiplication of food, ministering, you know, resurrection power to the dead. You know, all of those things, that's how he demonstrates, you know, uh, his kingdom. And those are destroying Satan's kingdom. And when we follow suit and do that, we're participating with the ministry of Jesus and the work of Jesus. But showing that to the underground church, it's powerful, man. I mean, you know, I, honestly, I love training, you know, and equipping here in my own country. I love it. I love seeing people step out and do it. But I tell you, you know, in that part of the world, these tools are so much more precious because they have so few. And so when they get them in their hands, you know, you got to realize all of these people have been persecuted by their families. Every single one of them have had families walk away. Fathers who told their sons, you're no longer my son. You know, you got to realize for that part of the world, that is that is that is the word. I mean, they would rather, you know, go to hell almost than have their their natural father reject them because it's a shame based society. And so like most of Asia has a lot of Asian influence. And so all of a sudden they're sitting there going, man, you know, I, I'm, uh, I, you know, I've got to count that cost early on, you know. Um, and so, you know, for them, some of the hardest people to share with are their own family members because their family members will turn them in, too. You know, because if they see them as as being, uh, you know, kofar or, you know, uh, infidel um, in, in the Arabic, kofar and, and Farsi, uh, then they're then they see them as as being completely, you know, cast out of of uh, society and, and completely rejected. And so, uh, you know, it's very these things are very precious to them and they take them and they use them and just going out and ministering and praying for people. I mean, it's so, so so powerful the fruit that has happened uh in that and you know we're planting schools you know we're going to be uh launching our first one this year um you know we were going to do it a couple of years ago but the but when the shutdown took place it sort of threw a wrench and everything um but in one of the bordering neighboring countries um to iran um but uh and everybody be praying because there's there's certain groups we're having to transport across really dangerous nations uh, to get them into more safer nations, and uh, it's it's really tricky. And you know I can't go into details about that, but we really need a lot of prayer and uh, even support in doing that. But I'm telling you, you know, there's an army being raised up throughout the Muslim world. Uh, Iran is the fastest growing church on the planet. Afghanistan before this happened was the second fastest. I'm going to tell you right now, since the Taliban is getting over, they'll probably bump Iran out of their spot and become the number one. Because I'm telling you, man, these believers, when you train them, you equip them, it's game over. They're in for the rest of their life and they're happy to lay down their lives for this. You know, it's really, really powerful what God is doing in that part of the world. Stay tuned. We'll have more Living Life on Purpose after we hear from one of our sponsors. Are you a business person that's hungry for more of the Holy Spirit at work? Partnering with God is what you were designed for. Experiencing God at work and being a blessing to the city that you live in is accessible to every believer. Hearing from God for your business and city shouldn't feel mysterious or inaccessible. Heaven and Business exists to give you access to the tools and training you need to equip you to grow with God in business and influence. Begin with our free trial and an online membership, then explore the events, community, and other resources. Check out heavenandbusiness.com today if this is what you're looking for, and I promise you won't be disappointed. 
And now, back to Living Life on Purpose with your host, Matt Wilson. Just this past month, I went on a mission trip with Dr. Randy Clark and Global Awakening to Brazil. And in there, you know, we saw an incredible move of God. And, and not only were we praying and, and seeing, you know, signs, wonders and miracles, uh, you know, thousands of people, you know, getting healed and, and delivered and, and powerfully touched by God receiving impartation. But, you know, what was cool was, you know, we would work with a translator and I might work with a translator for, you know, a couple hours. It may be, you know, just praying for a handful of people. But but every time we would finish, first of all, we would demonstrate like you're talking about. And then I would always pray impartation over them once we parted ways. And then they would get touched by God powerfully. And then they would go and do the same. But but there, when they get healed, they would immediately grab somebody else and they would say, hey, this person prayed for me. I got healed. Will you pray for my friend? And, and then that person would get healed. And then that person would grab somebody else and they'd get healed. And, and there was a multiplication process, which is what you're talking about there. They see something powerful. They grab somebody else. They've been given the tools and they want to go to go and do the same because they haven't been conditioned like so many people here to, you know, just receive and receive and receive and and don't get uncomfortable. And, and what you're talking about, you know, God is honoring the fact that that you are stepping out with courage and boldness in places where you could give your life for him. And at the end of the day, you know, to live as Christ, to die as gain. I mean, that's in the word of God. A lot of believers don't even understand or, you know, recognize that verse. You know, they're so afraid of this little, it's real, I get it, but it's a sickness. You know, Jesus never shied away from sickness. He healed the sick. You know, he moved with compassion towards those people. Leprosy, far worse than COVID. He never shied away from them. He never reeled back his ministry. He never said, I'm not going to go into the dangerous places. He went where the father told him to go and he did the things the father told him to do. And that's what you guys are doing there. So when it comes to counting the cost, like you're talking about these people that are willing to die, I mean, you're, you're willing to die for the things that you believe or you wouldn't be, I mean, they're, you're going into a dangerous place. There's a possibility. People told me you're going to Brazil. Yet there was razor wire. There were spikes. You know, we weren't allowed to go anywhere if there weren't at least three of us in a group. I mean, they're, they're legitimate threats, not like the Middle East. But, you know, I know where I'm going if something happens to me. I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to be good. My family's going to be OK. We prepared financially. You know, but from that standpoint, what would you say to the people that that they're so afraid of dying for the gospel, you know, versus just being who God's called them to be? What what's your message to those folks? Well, you got to realize that you know the closest seat to the throne in heaven are those who've lost their lives for the sake of the gospel, and we are worried about this much of life when eternity is from that wall to that wall far bigger. And we're focused just on this and we're blowing it by doing that. Jesus said, you know, my job is to spend my life for the sake of the gospel. It's Jesus's job to protect it. It's not my job to protect it because Jesus said, if you try to save your life, what'll happen? You'll lose it. The safest thing you can do is take risk for the gospel because it is the safest place to be. People, and even people stop and say, you know, the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. It's actually not really true. It's actually the most dangerous place to be. But in being there, you're in the safest place eternally. 
But see, we're so focused on this life and preserving this life and preserve. We're not thinking about the eternity aspect, the eternal life piece. And it's crucial that we refocus and see that in a different light in a different way that it is, it's absolutely, you know, and so being afraid of persecution, you, you got, I've been arrested, thrown in jail four times. I, yeah, I've, I've had uh, just in January, I was arrested, held for uh, almost three days in Afghanistan. Uh, they, they were trying to freeze me to death. They were saying they were going to kill me. They were, you know, I mean, it was, you know, I, I took beatings in that. It was it, all of that stuff. And I, I've, I've gone through that before. All of that stuff, we, we sort of, we forget that in the moment, there's a grace and a peace that comes over you. I had peace the entire time. I, I didn't like it. I was uncomfortable. It hurt. I don't want to say that it didn't because that'd be lying. But I would say the peace that you have from the, from the spirit of God to endure, to go through that is, you know, I had heard all of the, you know, Iranians and, and Afghans talk about it and uh, brothers and sisters in China uh, say the same thing. And, 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 and in going through it, I was like, man, it's true. It really, there's just this, it is well. <laughs> everything's going to be fine. And so when you go through that and Jesus said, rejoice, rejoice when you're persecuted, rejoice that you are able. This is something to, to be, see as an incredible badge of honor because it's an eternal thing. We in the West have lost our perspective and our understanding of what is really valued. And what is really we're we're so our prayers are consumed about getting out of our own debt, getting out of our own difficult relationships, out of our bad job, all this stuff, and praying for those that we're not. We got to realize that's not necessarily the kingdom, you know, mindedness that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about pointing that power and pointing those prayers towards others. When I sow there, I reap here. When I sow in those countries, when I sow in those places, I reap in my life. And so it, it's crucial that we keep that forward. And another thing that you pointed out with that trip in Brazil that I love, you know, as soon as we get somebody, uh, you know, prayed for, get them healed, we immediately have them pray for somebody else. It's sort of people are like all of a sudden, oh, I lost my healing. You didn't lose your healing. Satan stole it from you. And the, one of the ways that you hang on to that and fight with that, because this body comes from the earth. And what we're doing when we're doing healing is we're taking a dominion over the earth this is the reason why Paul says, I put my body under subjection. Why? Because the body comes from the earth and I have dominion over it. And so when you put your body under subjection and you're, ta- and you're commanding, you know, the shoulder to be healed, you're taking dominion over the earth. It's not just about, you know, the shoulder. It's about the dominion power that Christ has given us. And so in order to see that now, Satan, Second Corinthians chapter four says he is the God of this world. We made him that in the garden because we gave him our dominion power in the garden. Jesus came to reinstate that as the second Adam and to restore that back to us. But it only works when we activate and it only happens when we truly take a hold of it and start doing the things that Jesus did. And so as we step out, as we do that, you know, you're going to get pushed back. You're going to get, you know, I've I've had. I've had more. I've had persecution. You know, even what I went through in January. You know, I even had a, a very well-known uh, minister, you know, that that internationally, you know, that uh, challenged me. And he goes, I don't believe a word of what you're saying. He goes, it's just too extreme. He goes, why would somebody in, in your position risk themselves by going to Afghanistan and going to? And I'm sitting there going, have we really lost our way in this? Have we really come to that perspective to where all of a sudden we're more thinking about my brand 
and about, you know, and my, even my own life than the eternal realm and about, you know, and, 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 and jealousy that creeps in people, you'll have it in local people doing this right now. You step out and start praying for people. They start getting healed. You'll have even people in your, in your worship circles that'll start going, Hey, wait a minute. I think you got a little bit of pride because you're telling these stories. You're telling, it's like, how did we get there? We got there because all of a sudden this whole thing has become so focused on us and what our experience is, how we feel, rather than the true expansion of the kingdom of God. And 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 we're losing it by doing that. I started going to these places because from my you know view, I wanted to follow in Paul's shoes where he said, I want to go where the gospel's not being preached. And I want to, as somebody with some audience, with some, you know, uh traction in the public to go and to demonstrate, hey, we got to live this out. Let me live this out to where I'm demonstrating. I'm really willing to put my life on the line for what I'm preaching and teaching. Let me lead by doing that. This isn't about building our own ministries. This is about building the ministry of Jesus Christ and demonstrating and expanding that. And again, that best stuff isn't done on a stage, you know, in front of a bunch of people. That stuff is done on the streets. It's the best. Those guys on the stage are there to equip you to go out and hit the streets and to release that there. And you are the solution to your community. Christ in you is the only hope they have. And if you don't take it to them, that hope doesn't get there. God's not looking for somebody else, my friends. He's looking for you. He's not looking for another Smith Wigglesworth. He's looking for you. He wants you to be on, 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 on display in your community, demonstrating the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And that's the only way. The goal here is global transformation. And we've got to go to the worst parts in order to see the least, you know, uh, dangerous parts be transformed. I mean, you know, the whole goal is to send Ishmael back to evangelize Isaac. You know, I want to raise up a bunch of a bunch of Arab uh, passionate uh, Christians who go back and share the gospel, you know, with their distant cousins, uh, you know, the Israelites and bring them into the relationship of Christ and seeing him as the true Messiah. And, you know, it's it's really it's really powerful when we when we step out and we begin to do that. Man, it's so good. Yeah, I think a lot of those uh, the pastors that that get upset that you know we're, we're actually doing the the works of Jesus uh, probably need to reread the Word. Uh, you know, Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament in prison. You know, he he didn't do it from the comfort of you know a chalet or uh, you know some sort of high end hotel. You know, with his uh, designer jeans and you know high end you know foot apparel. Uh, you know, he, he did it in a very uncomfortable position. Jesus walked the earth with no place to lay his head. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, going where he went and doing what he did, that is what the word is about. He's the model. It's not a business model. It's not a church model. Jesus is the model. And when we follow him, it will cost us something. It will be challenging at times. It will look crazy to the world, but it will be what he asked us to do. And that's why we do it. So whether people like it or not, you know, that's, that's tough as far as I'm concerned. As long as we're doing it in truth and love, that's what matters. So from that standpoint, you know, how can people learn more about you? How can they sow into your organization and, and help equip more of these people in the Middle East? Uh, tell us where we can find out more about Robbie Dawkins Ministries. 
Yeah, RobbieDawkins.com. Robbie with a Y, R-O-B-B-Y-D-A-W-K-I-N-S.com. If you do forward slash partner, it'll take you straight to our partner page and show you what we're uh, just kind of snapshots of the vision and what we're doing in the Middle East. It also gives you the ability to partner with us. We need partners desperately. Um, There's so much more that we're wanting to do. I want four schools throughout the Middle East in the most dangerous countries. Um, You know, we're also looking into and working with, um, I'll be at some point this year in North Korea and uh, helping with the brother and sisters there it's it's you know this is a this is a time and a space more than ever before that we as the church need to rally behind these places that are there because i'm telling you you know uh, as as much as we see our christian celebrities here in the west and think they're the the hot ticket uh let me tell you something the champions of heaven are a different group of people and it's not and i'm not saying that to to beat sound like i'm slamming anybody i'm just saying it's just a it's a different heaven's perspective on this is a different perspective and we'll see it when we're there we'll realize it when we're there but man so into it now help with it now because there's so much we've we're we're looking at 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 bringing some people to uh one of the countries that's again this one particularly bordering Iran uh, to launch the school. Uh, we're still rescuing Afghans, uh, uh, those who are who are in threat of death, because we want to bring them out, train them, and send them back. Uh, all the ones we're working with, none of them want to stay in the countries they're in, you know, temporarily. And so we need your help to do that. And I just want to say too that there's training materials on our website. There's a story you can you can re- you can get the book, do what Jesus did. You can get the book, do greater things. Uh, there's lots of training materials on there for you to activate, for you to be the source and the ambassador of hope in your community. And that's what Christ has called us to be, ambassadors of hope and transformation for our communities. And that's all of us as we step out and activate the true power of the Spirit. So don't just so, don't just throw your money, you know, put your life into this, seriously. Um, you know, I, I, people kind of ease their conscience by giving to a ministry like ours. And come on, we, we got to be bigger than that. We got to be better than that. You know, we've, we've got to put ourselves on the line, too. And so um, I'm not going to just ask you for for cash. I'm asking you for your life as an ambassador of Christ. Put it on the line. Put your reputation. Remember, Jesus cared. You know, uh, I remember one time I was going to a bar and doing some ministry and a guy stopped me and he goes, he goes, you know, you realize you're really damaging your reputation. And and by doing this, and I thought about it, I thought, man, am I doing that? Is that bad? I would go with people. I wouldn't go alone. But I stopped and the Lord spoke to me as I was driving home that night. He goes, you get to worry about your reputation as much as I did when I was down there. And so, you know, we can't put our reputation on our, we got to be willing to spend that. People say bad things about me. You're in good company. They did about Jesus and all the apostles too. So just, you know, throw that to the side, move on, you know, and, and just keep activating and keep uh, actively stepping out and doing the works in ministry of Jesus. Amen. And thank you so much for being here today. I've really enjoyed it. And um, looking forward to sharing this message with our listeners. If you've enjoyed this message today, we hope that you will not only share it with other people that need encouragement and people that just need their fire stoked and that they need to get out and do the things that Jesus did. Please share this with your friends. And then also, if you want to follow us on social media, it's Living Life on Purpose on Facebook and then Living Life on Purpose always. And until next time. We hope that you'll go out and do these things that we're talking about 
don't just be a, a person that shows up and, and checks a box on Sunday. Be a person that demonstrates the gospel everywhere that you go because the world is desperate to see Jesus. So God bless and we'll catch you in two weeks.